Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of haunted places. I'm Demon Paul, and I'm Demon Jason, and today we're talking about well, Paul already kind of spoiled our topic because he said haunted places, but today we're talking about haunted places. Aren't we, Paul? <laughs> Was I a little too exact on that one? I mean, that's the title of the episode, I think. Haunted places. True. True. Uh, by the way, I think Demon Jason sounds like he ate Goblin Jason. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to try something a little different this year. So, Paul... It is fall. It is Halloween season. Mm-hmm. Have you done anything fall-y or Halloween-y yet this year? Um, I mean, I've been playing disc golf out in the falling leaves. It feels pretty folly. It's starting to smell folly because the leaves mm-hmm. are decaying. And it's always nice. That, that autumn smell you and get. Hearing the crunch of the dead leaves under your feet. That's yeah. A, that's a nice yeah. fall sound. We had a local fest at work where we kind of, there was like pumpkin tic-tac-toe and they were like painting kids' faces with pumpkins and fall things. Pumpkins are good. I got some pumpkin spice ice cream that's pretty freaking good. Oh yeah, all the pumpkin spice uh, food is available now. I'm into it. Yeah, I'm a basic the... dude. <laughs> what is this you made for me? Uh, oh yeah, we have fall-themed drinks here with us today apple mojito apple cider mojito apple cider mojito well yeah. it's, it's delicious thank you i like all of these ridiculous garnishes we got an apple slice we got mint we got thyme we got a cinnamon stick <laughs> the cinnamon stick is great and, is. and two herbs too not just one herb two herbs this is a drink you'd pay like an extra five dollars for at the bar because it's pretty we go all out at Shea Jason. Ah, so you finally decided on the name of your bar, huh? No, no, don't hold me to that. I haven't, <laughs> I'm not committed yet. Okay, okay. Just trying out some options, you know? It sounded good, though. I don't know if I want, like, I don't know if a French vibe is appropriate, you know? It almost kind of feels like it to me, not in that your cocktails seem especially French-influenced, but the classiness of the mm. drinks you make... Even just the way you prepare them is very clean. You're, most bars are dirty and sticky, but you, you're very orderly about how you make the drinks. I appreciate that, Paul. And they're fantastic, classy cocktails that you would expect to pay a premium price for. Well, thank you. You know, you're spraying absinthe on the top and stuff. You like, know it. That's not normal stuff you get at your everyday bar. Yeah. Chez Jason. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, so ghost stories are pretty fun, huh? That's yeah, a fall yeah. Halloween-y thing. Yeah, we've hit on this on past Halloweens, but Japan has deep traditions of folklore and urban legends, mm-hmm. leading to many tales of haunted places. Yeah, we've talked before about how Japan considers summer the spooky time. Summer is when you tell ghost stories and stuff, but... Halloween has also been getting popular in Japan lately, so we're, uh, we're doing a Halloween thing, because that's what we do. Halloween specials, every year. Yeah, Halloween is an incredibly fun holiday, if you make the most of it. Mm-hmm. 
I'm a little jealous that Japan gets a whole season for scary stories, though. Well, I consider the fall season all scary story time. I guess. For me, it's more like spooky video game season. I don't play a ton of like spooky or horror games generally throughout the year, but I like to dip into it this time of year. I like horror video games, man. I've uh, been wanting to get into Resident Evil The Village, the latest Resident Evil game, but I heard that it's going to be coming out on PlayStation VR 2, so I got to play it in VR, you know? I'm just going to wait for that. At what point do video games stop numbering themselves? I suppose it varies, because I was thinking, like, how many Resident Evil games have there been now, you know? Like, Resident Evil 16... (laughs) There are no rules for numbering yeah. anything. But then you got Final Fantasy, where well, I don't even yeah. know what they're at now. At least 14, right? I mean, look at Windows, you know? 95, 98, XP. Yeah, but now it's Windows now it's 7, 10, now Windows, it's 11. Yeah, they just, they, whatever number feels right. Anyway, why are we talking about Windows? That, that was, that you was me. You brought that I know, up. that was my bad. I kind of segued towards it, but... Anyway... Let's steer back. Scary stories. Okay. We're telling scary stories today about haunted places in Japan. And uh, I don't know. My research for this was fun. I was kind of surprised at how much all of these haunted places are kind of just based on urban legends. Like even there's all these stories of things that were supposed to have happened really recently, but there's no hard evidence that any of them actually happened. There are no like news stories or am I sucking out all the fun out of this, Paul? Uh, a little bit. So I'm, I'm generally uh, pretty skeptical about things like this, but when you're diving into the spooky season, sometimes you just got to open yourself up to the belief to have some fun. Yeah. So I'm just going to wildly report rumors that I've heard from the internet that make really creepy, fun stories. Awesome. Sounds great. And maybe you'll get some ideas for places to visit that may or may not be haunted. And at the very least, you can show up and think about this creepy story that's attached to it and be like, oh, man, this is a cool place. Yeah, the places I've got, at least. We, we haven't talked about which places we've each researched yet. Yeah, that's, that's half the fun. So I'm sure we'll have some overlap for sure, but I bet we'll not have some overlap, too. But anyway, some of these places you could easily visit, some of them you could maybe visit, and some of them you almost for sure can't visit. Yeah. Some of them might not even exist. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I've got any in the don't exist realm. I got some weird stuff, Paul. Okay. I'm excited for this. To get serious for a moment, we want to give a warning that a lot of this episode is going to be about you know, fanciful fictional stuff, but some of this stuff is very real. There's going to be talk about self harm. There's going to be talk about murders and deaths that may have actually or absolutely actually happened. So please be aware that that is going to be in this episode in some details. Oh, Paul, I forgot to mention that we're going to go by kind of region right? Or at least general area of Japan. We're going to group them together so that if you're visiting and you want to visit some spooky places, you know what's kind of in the general vicinity. 
so I think we should probably start with a place that most people have probably heard of. And this is a real place that you actually can visit. And Paul, you and I actually have visited. This is Aokigahara, also known as the Suicide Forest, also known as the Sea of Trees. Tell me about it, Paul. Aokigahara is famous in Japan and internationally as well. Like you said, the Suicide Forest. It's supposedly the place on Earth with the second highest rate of suicide behind only the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, okay, sorry sorry to interrupt you here. I just watched this show on Netflix recently called Dark Tourist. Have you heard of that? No. There's this dude that goes around the world and visits like, I don't know, creepy places, places associated with death, I guess I would say. Okay. Generally. Sounds like a show you'd be watching. Yeah. I thought it seemed interesting. There's one episode about Japan and he goes to Aokigahara and he, he says, oh, this is, you know, more, more people kill themselves here than anywhere else in the world. And I was just, no, dude, you're wrong. Golden Gate Bridge, man. What about Golden Gate Bridge? I've been on the Golden Gate Bridge, and that's not what I was thinking about as I was there. Isn't that funny? I was like, oh, this is cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. this forest has such an intense association with death, even though... The bridge is just this huge, bright tourist attraction. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, That's interesting. But there is some history there that might explain that connection. But first of all, I want to mention the location of this place. Aokigahara is on the northwest side of the base of Mount Fuji. And it's about 12 square miles, or 30 square kilometers. And it's a lava forest. Correct. All this greenery is growing on top of lava rock. Pretty cool. And this place has been associated with suicide for a long time. It was supposedly used at one point for ubaste, which is the practice of leaving old women to die in the forest. Like if you have an old family member can't afford to feed her anymore. She's kind of useless, can't like work or produce anything. Like we need to get rid of grandma. You just <laughs> you walk her out into this forest. Was it never grandpa? I don't know. I saw old women for some reason. Uh, I saw elderly. Okay. I don't know. When times are tough, I guess, you got to pull your weight. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if it's actually proven that this was happening. Right. It's like rumored to have been a thing that, you know, maybe happened during the hardest of times or something. Yeah, it's hard to say. I saw somebody say that it's something that just appears in Buddhist folklore, maybe. Okay. But yeah. Another reason that this place is associated with suicide is that there was a book published in 1961 called Nami no To, which means Tower of Waves. And this book was about a girl who took her life in the forest. Hmm. There was also another book published in 1993 called The Complete Manual of Suicide that recommends the forest as a great place to kill yourself. Wow. Yeah. Did the writer of that book kill themselves? Should I even be asking that question? Not that I know of. Maybe the book was successful enough. They're like, oh, now I have a reason to live. (laughs) Sorry, thinking about that book is breaking my brain. Um, I never really thought that deeply about it, but how would a living person know the best way to commit suicide? How would a living person think it's a good idea to write a book to help other people that are struggling kill themselves, is what I'm wondering. And who would publish it? Now I really want to read this book. 
just out of curiosity. <laughs> Do you remember? I think you were the one that sent me this document of this guy who killed himself, who wrote this incredibly long, like, thesis about how life doesn't matter. Like, he logically reasoned that life doesn't matter, therefore he should kill himself. Yeah, that sounds like that was me. <laughs> this episode's getting really dark. He was wrong, I think. I read a bit of it. It was interesting. But I think he made a couple assumptions that led to his, like, with the assumptions he made... It led to that conclusion, but I think he made some assumptions that he shouldn't have made. Okay. And that was his fatal flaw in his reasoning. Anyways. Should we have included a trigger warning in this? I think, yes, probably. It, it, you know, it's a spooky episode about haunted places, but this one's like real in that yeah. way. Yeah, this is, out of all the places we're going to talk about, this is kind of the most disturbing one because it's so real. Yeah, this one, like these suicides actually happen. Yeah. So you're right, we should... Okay. Do that. Why don't we record it right now, and then I'll insert it back at the beginning, and then I'll leave this part in, and it'll be this weird thing where we're referencing something that we said at the beginning of the episode. But then I'll just cut it out here, so it'll be like a really jarring cut from this sentence that I'm speaking right now to the next part where I talk about the suicides that have happened here. Sound good? Sure. Okay. All right, we did it. We recorded the thing. Yep, we're back. So, all right, hit us with the gruesome details. We've warned okay. everyone. So all this talk of suicide in this forest is not just legend. Lots of people have actually taken their lives in this forest. To the point that there are actually now signs at the entrances to the forest that try to convince people that their lives are worth living. And police and volunteers conduct monthly searches for bodies in the forest. They apparently remove 50 to 100 people per year. Wow. Or bodies per year. Wow. I mean, I remember when we took our hike through Okigahara, we were on a guided tour to some ice caves. So we were probably unlikely to see anything because we were on like a well-traveled path that they did every day. Yeah. I think someone asked our tour guide, have you ever seen a dead body? You know, someone, someone's going to ask the question. It's maybe disrespectful, but everybody's super curious, right? And mm -hmm. he didn't really say. He wouldn't say, but he maybe did. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, I don't know. This seems really morbid now that I'm looking at it, but I have some like specifics in my notes. Okay. As of 2011, the most common method of suicide in the forest was by hanging, and the second was drug overdose, mostly sleeping pills. But authorities don't publish many statistics these days because they don't really like the fact that people associate it with suicide. They're kind of trying to downplay that whole aspect. That kind of makes sense in a way. Like Normally, I'd be like, oh, government covering up things, but... Sometimes with these type of things, the more attention you draw to it, the more people actually go there. Yeah. So, uh, probably don't want to encourage people. Now, look, all these other people thought it was a great idea. I'm just going to say most of our audience is international, so they're not going to go there. Uh, so, I, so I feel okay talking about it. But we do have a lot of Japanese listeners, too. Don't, don't do that. Go to Aokigahara because it's beautiful and walk through it. But, uh, you know, life is pretty good. Yeah, go take a good hike. Spending more time in nature 
can definitely help you feel better. Yeah, that's true. It always, when you're down, it always gets better. Yeah. It always eventually gets better. Just keep moving forward. Um, so I have a few other just creepy things about the forest. I, I got one too. Go ahead. I heard that because of all the volcanic rock and activity, compasses don't work well there. So it's really easy to get lost. They say you even, wander in. even GPS apparently doesn't work there. I don't wow. know why that would be. Right? That doesn't seem right. They say that this is due to high iron deposits in the soil because of the volcanic environment, but why would that have an effect on GPS? Does magnetism somehow affect cellular signals it's or something? probably the ghosts. I don't know. Yeah, that's could my be, guess. Could be paranormal reasons. Another reason people think the forest is really creepy is because it's eerily quiet. There's barely any wildlife there. There aren't even birds, really. Like, you won't hear a lot of the sounds that you would normally hear in a forest. It was quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, some people that enter the forest actually bring along a line of string that they can trail behind them so they can find their way out. Oh, wow. But there are stories of people having their line cut and they can't find their way back. Again, probably ghosts. Wow. Yeah. That's scary. Pretty cool, right? Well, that's all I got about Aokigahara. Okay. Same. What's next on your list, Paul? Well, uh, the next one I got is Himuro Mansion. Oh my goodness. This is probably my very favorite one. Really? Yeah, we're, we're really? going to... I guess we're doing it right at the beginning. It's all downhill from here, folks. You, you asked me. <laughs> it's good, but it's not my favorite. Oh. You know, there's other good ones coming. Okay. Well, first, I feel like we should start all these by saying where they're yes. located. Where yes. is Himuro Mansion? It's located just outside Tokyo. So you get there very quickly from Tokyo. In a forest, apparently. Yeah. And, yep. But this is one of those places where nobody seems to know exactly how to get there. Seems like it might or might not actually exist. Yeah, it's not exactly open to tourists. I've seen like a picture that's supposedly of it, but no one ever seems to be able to verify anything. Hmm. So this mansion was the site of reportedly one of the most gruesome murder scenes in Japanese history. So, Jason, can you give us the full lore of this place? I would absolutely love to, Paul. So, this mansion, right, sitting in the forest. There was a family that lived there at some point. For centuries, apparently. I don't know. Maybe they started living there in the 1700s or something. Family of six. But also, inhabiting this mansion was an evil force of some sort. Some people call it bad karma. Some people said there was actually a portal to hell in this mansion. That one seemed the most likely to me. Yeah, makes sense, given what's about to happen yeah, in this story. Yeah. So to keep this evil at bay, every 50 years, the family had to perform a special ritual. A young girl in the family would be chosen at birth to be raised in isolation with no contact with the outside world. And when 50 years had passed since the last ritual, they would take the girl to the courtyard. 
There, they would tie ropes around her ankles, wrists, and neck, and then they would attach the other ends of the ropes to teams of oxen or horses that would all walk away from her, ripping her limbs from her body. Did you hear all all these details? I did. Quartering. That's one of those things that I'm a fan of history. You'd hear from time to time, and he was drawn and quartered. And I was always like, what the heck does that mean? And one day I found out what it meant, and I was like, oh my goodness. That's what that is? Who thought of that? Yeah, that's what that is. Oh, I'd and heard you, those words. I never really yeah. realized. Each limb to was. a horse. Every horse runs in a different direction, and you get one person turned into four. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely brutal and disgusting dude people have done some real messed up things to each other yeah and uh, the fact that that's a thing like yeah. what it happened often enough there's a name for it apparently <laughs> yep anyway so once they ripped her apart they would remove the bloody ropes and then they would place them over the portal to hell and the idea was that the evil would exit her body through her limbs so by removing the limbs the evil was sealed off for another 50 years. I don't know, some weird supernatural logic there, you know? Right, must have been a powerful force they were fighting if that's what it took to keep it down for another 50 years. Yeah. So that was what the family did every 50 years, and everything was going fine. They were keeping the evil at bay until at one point, maybe around the early 1900s or so, something went wrong. Because the girl that was supposed to be sacrificed, she had fallen in love with a boy. And this boy would come talk to her at her window, and he planned to save her so that she wouldn't have to be sacrificed. But remember I said that she was, she was supposed to be completely isolated from the outside world, right? But now this boy was her connection to the outside world, which meant that her blood was tainted and she would no longer be suitable as a sacrifice. So, the master of the house, presumably her father, I suppose, he found out about this boy. He flew into a rage, and knowing now, they they had nobody to sacrifice. There was no way to keep this evil at bay. Bad things were going to happen. So, to prevent the horrible things that would happen to his family, he killed all of the members of his family, and then took his own life. I also heard there's... A slightly alternate version where because they couldn't make the sacrifice, the father got possessed by a spirit Mm. and then killed everybody. And then realizing what he had done, he killed himself last. Oh, okay. Interesting little twist there. Maybe on a positive note, the final sacrifice of the entire family closed the portal to hell for good. What? I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating at this point. How would the portal get closed? They didn't have a sacrifice anymore. Yeah, but they killed six people instead of one. Oh, so you're thinking the demon is like, oh, man. Maybe that was enough. I got more than I wanted. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. This will last me for for the next 300 years. Yeah, it'll be a while. It'll be a while until he's back. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, now the place is known to be cursed because of all this crazy crap that happened there. It's said to be haunted by the spirits of the family members. And they try to attract passerbys to complete the incomplete ritual. Yeah. And they say that most people who visit 
the mansion either never return or they're later found dead and not always in one piece. Drawn and quartered, perhaps. Yeah. When I was researching this one, I accidentally came across a wiki page for like video games because there was some video game that had this whole story about this place, except they added like way more. And I was like, whoa, this is great. And then I realized, oh, this is just a video game that just like made this up loosely based on like the real legend. I did a little bit of a deep dive there, Paul. Got some more details. You're probably about to play that video game. <laughs> I don't know. It might be it might be kind of dated. It's from 2001. Oh, wow. So uh, the game that you're talking about is a survival horror video game called Fatal Frame. Yep. Wait, wasn't... The, maybe they remade it or something. I feel like there was some more recent game called that. Anyway, so some people think that this video game might actually be the origin of the legend. Oh. Because the game advertised itself as based on a true story. Oh, Okay. But supposedly, it was actually already a pretty well-known story in Japan before the game came out. So if, it, if any of our Japanese listeners remember the time before 2001, let us know if you remember hearing that story before that time. A couple other little creepy things about this mansion. People say that if you visit, you might find fresh blood or bloody handprints. And if you take a picture of a certain window you might see a young girl wearing a kimono when you look at the picture. Like you won't see her with your bare eyes, but you know. In the picture. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's creepy. Yeah. Okay, the next place on my list is Sendagaya Tunnel. You hear about that one, Paul? No, I didn't. Oh, <laughs> there's so many tunnels there are a lot of creepy <laughs> yes. stories about tunnels in japan that's yeah i was kind of interested to find that tunnels are really common in japanese horror stories there are probably a lot of tunnels in japan being a island with mountains kind of running right down the middle i suppose yeah yeah the mountains means a lot of tunnels it's a remote dark creepy place yeah i mean an unlit tunnel is pretty much always creepy anyway right yeah all right, I, I know nothing about this. Hit me with this story. So Sendagaya Tunnel is located in Tokyo, close to central Shibuya and Harajuku. So this is a real place. Oh, wow. This is like downtown. Yeah. It's a two-lane, 61-meter-long tunnel. It was actually built for the 1964 Olympics. Okay. And it passes under a cemetery that belonged to a temple that was related to a famous samurai family. Oh, man, you hear stories about things being built on an old grave site. They went under an old cemetery. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I heard that they were in a hurry because the Olympics were coming up and they didn't have time to figure out another solution. So it was like, Sounds okay, we're doing it. right. <laughs> yeah. So basically, there have been a ton of ghost sightings there. People report mysterious handprints appearing on their car windows. The most common sighting that people report is that they see a blood-stained, long-haired female ghost that hangs upside down from cars passing through the tunnel. Wow. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Some people say that they're chased by the ghost. Some people say they hear a heavy object drop onto the roof of their car, like the ghost is you know, grabbing onto the top of their car. Oh, man. And the tunnel itself is just supposed to feel really creepy. Last creepy detail, 
is there's actually a recording studio nearby called Victor Studios that is apparently also affected by this ghost lady. Supposedly, unexplained sounds have shown up on recordings that have been made in this studio late at night, like babies crying. Okay, that is creepy. At first we said recording studio. I spent too much time in LA, and I was like, well, they were probably all on drugs. <laughs> right, but this is Japan, so maybe not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know the artistic types, right? Yeah, right? just to degenerate. widely, widely categorize everybody, right there. Totally. I think stereotype is maybe the word I was looking for there, but anyways, what was the word you used? Categorize. It's oh. <laughs> all I could come up with at the moment. Close enough, Paul. Uh, I have another tunnel to talk about real quick. I don't have as many details on this one, but Gridley Tunnel, did you hear about that one? I I saw some mentions of it, but I didn't take notes. Okay, this is another real one. I looked it up on Google Maps. Okay. Uh, It's a one-way tunnel at the Yokosuka Naval Base in Kanagawa. So this is just south of Tokyo and Yokohama, right? It's called Gridley Tunnel because it's on Gridley Lane on the way to Nimitz Boulevard. Such American street names there. Right. Because it's at an American military base. Yeah. So legend has it that years ago, a samurai was passing through this tunnel on the way to avenge the death of his lord. Mm -hmm. But he was ambushed and murdered by his enemies. So, of course, since he was unable to complete his mission, I think that counts as unfinished business, you might call it. You know, the kind of thing that causes people to hang around as ghosts so if you drive through this tunnel between 1 and 3 a.m on a rainy night or maybe between midnight and one i don't know different sources had different ideas of when exactly the hauntings happen but you might just see this samurai in your rear view mirror apparently this causes a lot of accidents there people okay. see the samurai and get freaked out and then get a little swervy and yeah. it's a tight tunnel and- exactly or if you're brave enough to walk through instead of driving, a samurai might just appear and grab you on the shoulder. <gasps> My turn to be a wet blanket. When I was reading this one, I was like, if it's a tunnel like big enough for cars to drive through, when was it made? Right? Like samurai weren't really out avenging their lords in the last 140 years, that, right? That crossed my mind too. But, but I mean, who knows? I don't know. I don't know how old tunnels might be or maybe they dug under the spot that he was traveling on or something yeah maybe it was like an old maybe they disturbed his grave it was a different type of tunnel and then they modernized it more recently or something you know yeah it was just my fleeting wonder quit spoiling the creepiness paul this is a halloween episode (laughs) i added nothing with that i apologize everybody all right this might be my favorite place because it totally surprised me. The Prime Minister's residence. What? You didn't get this? Oh, I my didn't God. see anything about that. This is so good. Okay. So the Prime Minister's residence was originally built in the 1920s after the Great Kanto Earthquake had leveled a bunch of the city. So is this where all of the prime ministers live now? Like, ever since then? Not quite, but almost, yes. 
I'll get to that. Okay. So they designed it to be like a, we're in the modern age now. They based it after the Imperial Hotel that was designed by American architect Frank Lloyd Wright, Hmm. who I know, even though I know nothing about architecture, so he must be super famous, right? And that hotel actually opened the day of the earthquake and survived completely intact when most of the city was level. So maybe that's another reason why they modeled it after that. Okay. But anyways, this place is so creepy that when they renovated it in 2005, they had a Shinto priest come in and basically do an exorcism on the whole place to ward off evil spirits. Awesome. They did that at the official prime minister's residence. Love it. (laughs) So to get to the stories of why this place is rumored to be haunted, right? There's been a lot of violence in it. Three years after the building first opened as the prime minister's residence, a group of young naval officers broke in and assassinated the prime minister. What? In 1932. Okay. And just four years later, there was another military uprising where they stormed the residence again, and the prime minister survived by hiding in a closet. But... Multiple people were killed on the site that day during the storming of the building. Who was storming the building? People like right-wing military figures. Okay. There's a long slide of like leading up to World War II of the military like pushing for more and more power. Like people inside the military that were very nationalist and right-wing would purposely go out and like murder politicians they didn't like or try to start wars or do anything they could to push Japan further towards militarization. After World War II, weren't there a bunch of like socialist violent protests and stuff? This is before World War II. Right. But I'm just saying like there's a lot you know, of you're talking about right wing like violent <laughs> uprisings and then left wing violent uprisings. There's a long history of uh political violence in Japan. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah which we were just talking about very recently with Shinzo Abe's assassination. True. So the residence is rumored to be haunted by the ghost of these events. It's so prevalent there that from 2012 till 2021, no prime minister lived in the building. Oh. So for like nine to 10 years, no one lived there. Shinzo Abe lived there briefly in his first term as prime minister But then in his long, like, eight or nine-year second term, he didn't live there. He didn't go back. He was still tainted by it, apparently. Oh, apparently. The current prime minister was the first one to move back in after Mm. that, like, nine-year gap. So all the reporters were, like, asking him about the ghosts. (laughs) Cool. So there's quotes of him saying, no, I haven't seen them yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yet. And he also, like, after his first night there, they were all asking him about it. And he's like, I felt like I was able to sleep well. All right. So he's trying to, hey, no, we're good. We're good. Yatsuko Hata, the wife of a former prime minister of Japan, claimed to have seen ghosts in 1994 in the mansion. But her and her husband lived there anyways. And Prime Minister Yoshiro Mori 
claimed to have seen the leg of a haunted spirit there in 2000. Cool. There's also another kind of infamous story tied to this place that I didn't even realize. I knew about this incident, and some claim it's related to the, the ghostly presence. But in 1992, they held a banquet there for U.S. President George Bush, the first George Bush. And he famously vomited on the Japanese prime minister's lap and then passed out in the middle of dinner. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And be, some people are like, ah, the ghosts got him. <laughs> yeah. So that's like a super famous story. That happened at this place. Cool. So this one, that's about all I have on it. But this one blew me away. I was like, the prime minister's residence? There's a former prime minister on record saying he saw the leg of a spirit in the residence? That's wild, dude. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about this next one, Paul. What do you got? So off Highway 411 in Yamanashi Prefecture, so this is just a little bit west of Tokyo, there's a place called Oiranbuchi Bridge. I got a whole big story to tell about it. It's quite the story, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm curious which version you heard because like I saw some, a lot of the sources that I was looking at seemed like really vague and didn't have a lot of details, but then I finally found one that kind of gave a much more in-depth version. The ones I found had very minimal details. Yeah. It was basically like, this happened. Right. That, that was like two sentences. Okay. So hit me with the deep story, please. You got it. So back in the 16th century, so this would have been during the Sengoku period, the Warring States period, one of the richest clans in the area was the Takeda and to fund all of their warring, they mined gold from the hills in Yamanashi. Gold had actually been mined in this area since the Heian period, which is around the 9th to 12th century, so a lot of gold mining. But in addition to using the gold to fund their wars, they also buried some as offerings to the gods. So some people actually think that there's still treasure buried in that area waiting to be found. So the clan, the Takeda clan, it was being led by this guy, Takeda Shingen, and things were going great. But when his son, Takeda Katsuyori, took power, things were not going quite as great. In 1575, the Takeda clan lost a big battle, the Battle of Nagashino. And a few years later, Katsuyori died, and the clan pretty much collapsed. So everybody that was working in these mines had to leave the area, but they didn't want anybody finding out about the locations. You know, they didn't want other people grabbing all their gold, the gold in the mines and the gold that they had buried. Now, this mining town, it had a bunch of prostitutes because you got to keep miners happy, right? What are you, you going to have them do for entertainment? But when the clan collapsed that became a bit of a problem because he can't have these women going around blabbing to everybody about the gold mines, right? So they came up with a plan. They built a big platform over the Yanagisawa River, and then they invited these 55 prostitutes to come practice a dance for the farewell party. They're like, oh, we're going to throw this big thing since we're leaving, and you guys can learn this dance, and it'll be great. But while they were dancing up there, the soldiers cut down the bridge plunging the women to their deaths in the gorge below. That's horrific. Yeah. 
I mean, it's kind of, it gets even worse because apparently not all of them died on impact. Some of them didn't die until they were swept over the waterfall just a little ways down the river. It's like, I hope one of them survived and just despite everybody when it told everyone where the gold was. <laughs> yeah. So when people die like that, when an exceedingly cruel act has been perpetrated against them, they might just stick around in spirit form, right? They're going to be angry ghosts. That's how you create ghosts. Exactly. We talked about that in our first Halloween special. Yep. So now this bridge, well, place where the bridge used to be, I think there's actually still sort of a, there's still a bridge there. Maybe they rebuilt a bridge or something. Anyway, this place is supposed to be one of the most haunted places in the country. And it's said that even to this day, you can still hear the wails and cries of the 55 women. You might also hear singing on the bridge where the platform was, because they were dancing and singing. I found a couple other interesting notes about this story. You might call them inconsistencies. First of all, it's interesting that the story focuses on the prostitutes, because what about all the other people that would have lived in this mining town, right? They weren't like the only other people there. Yeah. There would have been soldiers and guards and all that, and they would have had the same information. So why did they get to keep their lives? It's actually really funny that this comes up because I was just watching a documentary about the tomb of Genghis Khan yeah. that's never been found. And it's rumored, not necessarily true, but it's rumored that the people who attended the funeral for him we're all murdered by a group of soldiers on orders so that no one would know where the tomb was. Mm. But then the soldiers that murdered these people were murdered by another group of soldiers. <laughs> and then that group of soldiers was murdered by another group of soldiers like three or four times on yeah. until they were finally satisfied that nobody knew where this tomb was located. Wow. Pretty clever, I guess. B brutal, but clever. Right. I don't know. I almost wondered if the reason these women are the ones in the story is just because Yurei, Japanese ghosts, are almost always women. Yeah. Maybe they killed everybody else and they just didn't show up as ghosts, you know? Or they're the most lowly ranked people in the town, so it's more believable that they killed a bunch of prostitutes than a bunch of soldiers or skilled miners or something. Yeah. And didn't we learn at some point that like the lower, lowest ranked people became like the most dangerous ghosts or something like that? Uh, yeah. Anyway, so this place is usually referred to as Oiran Buchi, and Buchi means abyss, and Oiran was a high class prostitute. Like these were not just, I don't know, common prostitutes, I guess. They were like trained in traditional arts and, and that kind of thing. Right, they're almost one of the uh, precursors to geisha. They were true professionals. Yeah, so they were really like expensive and exclusive, and not the kind of people that would just be working in some random mining town. So that was another yeah. kind of inconsistency. Also, the age of the Oiran was in the Edo period, which hadn't happened yet when this story was supposedly took place. Oiran didn't exist in the Sengoku period. Well, urban legends don't always have to be based yeah. entirely in reality. True. But I found a theory that might explain this. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not spoiling all the fun. There's still, you know, maybe, maybe this happened. But apparently, 
the Takeda clan was known to use female ninjas to gather info about their allies. So one theory is that these women weren't prostitutes at all. They were actually ninjas. And that might even explain a little more why people wanted them dead, because they would have had a ton of information, not just about the gold, but about their allies and all this stuff, political stuff, you know? But either way, the locals still believe that the area is haunted by strong, vengeful spirits, and men specifically are supposed to be in more danger there because the ghosts might just try to retaliate against any men that show up by pushing them off the edge of the bridge. Oh, be wary men. Yeah. Also, did you hear about this sign that's posted there? No. This is real. There's a real sign there that tells the story of what happened. So, I don't know, that lends it some credibility, right? And if you visit, you're supposed to try not to read the entire sign because it's a cursed sign. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll read the first half. You read the second half when we go there, and we'll, we'll like, talk it out later. Sounds good. Well, it's also in Japanese with a lot of kanji, so we might have trouble. We'll have to use Google to yeah, <laughs> help yeah. us out. But, um, and last thing I have is that the road that leads up to the bridge is now blocked, but that highway is still running nearby, and apparently there have been several fatal accidents there. So maybe the ghost had something to do with that. Oh. Yeah. All right, Paul, let's talk about some creepy stuff that has happened in the Kansai area around Osaka and Kyoto. Okay. What do you got? What's your first thing? I got one that's not necessarily haunted, but it's really creepy to me. Okay. It's called Awashima Shrine in Wakayama Prefecture. Yeah, Wakayama is a pretty rural area just south of Osaka. Yes, exactly. So according to Shinto beliefs, inanimate objects, especially ones that closely resemble humans, develop souls over time. We talked in the first Halloween special again about how objects, when they reach 100 years of age, they turn into yokai, right? Yeah. Remember that? We talked about like how discarded umbrellas and stuff. Umbrellas are real popular for some reason. They'll, there's like this yokai that's an umbrella with an eyeball and they, they will haunt people if they feel like they weren't used to their fullest potential or whatever. They were thrown away before their usefulness was done. Yeah. So to avoid revenge, people that have unwanted or unused dolls will sometimes dispose of them at a shrine through a special ritual. So this shrine has over 20,000 dolls. And some of them are scary. There's a doll in the shrine's basement that was left there by their owner because its hair was growing. Awesome. That creeps me out, dude. The one movie that ruined me when I was a child was Chucky. <laughs> thinking about a doll coming to life scares the living crap out of me bro have you watched any of those 80s horror movies lately a few years back i watched like one of the halloweens or something they're so ridiculous yeah like yeah, i can't yeah. imagine how people found those scary they're, they're kind of so, fun though yeah they're they're fun 
I wouldn't call them scary. You know, I was scary? more like in my time, it was like scream. Mm, yeah, and that was not super scary. It was like jump scare. There were a bunch of jump scares, but the movie itself wasn't like super scary. I thought. Yeah, I didn't go home afraid to go to sleep. When I was a kid, I remember seeing The Shining on TV, and it wasn't even the Kubrick The Shining. It was like a made-for-TV The Shining miniseries or something, or maybe it was just a made-for-TV movie. But I just happened to see that scene where Jack is in the bathroom, and there's the lady that, like, you know, she looks all beautiful until he embraces her, and then her skin is rotting and falling off. And I was, or no, wait a minute. I'm thinking of the Kubrick one. In this one, he, like, pulls back the shower curtain, and she's just laying there, like, decomposing in the bathtub. It's really messed up. And that That's kinda, creepy. That freaked me out. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, did you say that that doll that grew hair is kept in the basement? Yeah. Okay. The basement is unfortunately not open to the public. However, there are still a ton of them, like, gathered around. So, most of these dolls are actually old Hina dolls. Have you heard of Hina dolls, Paul? Oh, yeah. Anyone who's seen My Dress-Up Darling... Super popular reason anime knows exactly what a Hina doll is. Oh, I've never heard of that. Well, why don't you tell us then? What's a Hina doll? It's dolls made generally for little girls that are made of wood and, you know, dressed up nicely. And they paint little beautiful faces on them. And they have a specific purpose too, right? Yeah, I believe it's used in a ceremony that's eluding me the exact name right now. On March 3rd, there's uh, Hina Matsuri, or Girls' Day. Uh, Families set up these elaborate doll displays to wish for good health and happiness for their young girls. Yeah, so basically every girl picks out a Hina doll at some point to bring home. And when people replace their old dolls or decide to get rid of them for whatever reason, they might end up at this shrine. And actually, not all of the dolls brought to this shrine remain here. I read that each year on Girls' Day, the shrine performs a ritual called Hina Nagashi, where they load Hina dolls onto boats. They send them down the river. It's supposed to symbolically drown bad luck or evil spirits that might be following their owners. Oh, wow. Yeah. But then they retrieve the dolls because, you know, they're just floating down the river. They, they bring them all back and then burn them in another ritual. Okay. All right, they burn them. I, for a second there, I thought you were going to be like, and then they give them away to other little girls. And I was like, <laughs> wait, they're going to last for 100 years now and become evil spirits. They know what they're they, doing. Yeah, they wouldn't be that careless. They know what they, they're doing. You know, people burn chopsticks at temples for the same type of reason. We talked back in the chopsticks episode about how they have this connection to Shinto and We had a whole episode... Stuff. About chopsticks, didn't we? We did. I think that was a pretty good episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy how deep some of this stuff goes. Yeah. Uh, Last fun fact. In addition to all these dolls, you'll also find a ton of animal figurines around there, like Maneki Neko, the little beckoning cats. Yeah. People dispose of them there. And a bunch of Tanuki statues I saw. Okay. Yeah. Paul, the next place on my list is Maruoka Castle. Have you heard about this place? I have. This is in Fukui, which is north and a little bit east of Kyoto, right by the Sea of Japan coast. And it's a castle, first of all. It's a really pretty castle, too. It's actually one of the 12 originals remaining in Japan. 
Uh, it reminds me a lot of Hiroshima Castle, just a bit smaller. Like the colors are really similar. It's got the dark wood and then the white. White know, plaster. Just, yeah, nice, nice color scheme. Okay. And this one is also surrounded by 400 cherry trees. So if you go in the spring, it looks, it looks really nice. Oh, it's just your typical, normal, beautiful Japanese castle, right? No, this is a creepy castle, Paul. <laughs> its origins actually are pretty creepy. And they relate to this ancient practice called Hitobashira. So the first record of this practice dates back to the 4th century. This is a really old idea. And the name Hitobashira means human pillar. Okay. The idea is that if you're trying to build something, whether it's a tunnel or a bridge or a castle or whatever, if things aren't going well, like maybe you start building and it just keeps collapsing or whatever, it's got to be because the kami, the local spirits, are causing trouble, right? They're preventing you from building this thing. So you got to make the kami happy if you want to get this thing completed. So to do that, people would bury people alive as sacrifices. I saw, Sounds reasonable. Yeah. I saw this isn't even the only reason that people might bury people alive. People would do that to ask the kami to protect them from wars or fires. Lots of reasons. But uh, the first application we mentioned is the one that's relevant to this story. Because the lord of the Maruoka domain, Shibata Katsutoyo, started building the castle in 1576. But every time the walls of the stone base were built, they would just fall apart. So after several tries, they decided to try this Hitobashira idea. And there was this local one-eyed widow named Oshizu, who was living in poverty with her two children. And she actually offered herself as the sacrifice. She came forward and said, hey, you can kill me to get this castle built as long as you give my son the rank of samurai, which would basically lift the family out of poverty because samurai were nobles. You know, this was like a, a way for her to kind of sacrifice herself for the future of her family. Yeah. So the Lord accepted her proposal. They buried her alive under the central pillar of the castle, and everything went great. They were able to finish the castle. However, Katsutoyo, the lord, he was soon transferred to another area, and he forgot about his promise to make Oshizu's son a samurai. Oh, man. You don't piss off the spirit of the person you sacrificed. Come on. Right? What an oversight. Yeah. So, of course, Oshizu's spirit decided to hang around, really angry. And after that, every April, the castle moat would flood, and people called the water the tears of Oshizu. She cried so much that it flooded the moat every year. Yep. So this moat isn't there anymore, but they say that even today, if you visit the castle at night, you might just run into the ghost of Oshizu. And even if you go on a nice day and the sun is out and the birds are chirping and it looks beautiful, maybe you got those cherry blossoms, as you get close to the castle, you might just feel the air suddenly get cold and you'll notice that the castle is suddenly veiled in mist. Oh. Like that movie, The Mist. The Mist. Did you see that one? Is oh, that man. from like the 90s? 
It might have been early 2000s. Mm. But man, the ending to that was... So I think that was a Stephen King book, and he said that the movie ending was better than his ending. Oh, wow. Pretty sure I'm remembering that correctly. Anyway, so visit this castle. It's a pretty castle, and it's pretty creepy thinking about this old lady buried underneath it. What's next, Paul? I want to talk a little bit about Kiyotaki Tunnel. Another tunnel. Yep. Located just outside of Kyoto. Okay. It's about a 500 meter long tunnel that was built in 1927 by slave labor. Uh Uh-oh. And a number of the slaves died during construction due to extreme weather, awful working conditions, and accidents. Hold on. They had slaves in Japan in 1927? Is that what you just said? Yes. Imperialism will do that. Oh, I guess. I mean, it's all about semantics. Prisoners of war working without being paid. Sure. You could call them slaves, right? There's people working without being paid. Okay. So ever since then, the place is said to be haunted. But even beyond that, it's also said to be a popular suicide spot because of the sturdy trees above the tunnel And at least one woman is recorded to have jumped down the hill from on top of the tunnel to land on the road below. What do the trees above have to do with the suicides? I believe people hung themselves from them. Like over the entrance to the tunnel? Like on top of the tunnel. Like the hill above the tunnel. Okay. Just making the whole area extra haunted and creepy. Yeah. So the traffic signals outside the tunnel can suddenly change from red to green and cause accidents from time to time. Mm. Also, you can hear women's screams at night sometimes. Sweet. And the length of the tunnel will change. Like you'll drive through it one way and then you'll drive back later and it will seem way longer than it did the first time you drove through it. Cool. Do they have mountain lions in Japan? I don't, they don't. They do not. I didn't think so. You know why I brought that up? No. Okay, go on YouTube and look up mountain lion scream because it sounds exactly like a human woman screaming like she's being murdered. Okay. I think that can explain a lot of creepy stuff that people report, but apparently not in Japan. Okay. Must be real ghosts in Japan. There's also been a number of reports of dizziness, nausea, and headaches occurring while traveling through the tunnel. Though some people suspect it may just be from poor ventilation and all the cars driving through. Could be, I suppose, but that's not as fun of an explanation. Or it's that ghostly aura getting you. Probably. You got any others nearby? I got one more uh, a little bit west of Osaka and Kyoto. This one's in Himeji. <laughs> At Himeji Castle, actually. You did mention Himeji Castle a few minutes ago, and I was wondering if you were going to get here. No, I didn't. Did, did you? A, did a ghost just insert that into your head, Paul? Didn't you compare Hiroshima Castle? Ah, uh, my mistake. My mistake. No, I'm just dumb. Not a ghost. Oh, that's okay. Dumb. We were talking about white plaster. Himeji Castle's all white Right, plaster. that's what came into my mind. Yeah, I, get it. I get it. I get it. Because I haven't seen Hiroshima 
<laughs> the ghosts are in my brain, bro. <laughs> oh my gosh, Paul. Do we need to get an exorcist over here? Quite possibly. So at Himeji Castle, there is a well known as Okiku's Well, and it relates to an extremely famous ghost story. Like, this is one of the most famous ghost stories in Japan, apparently. This is another place we've been to. Yeah. We've seen this well. Do you remember seeing the well? Yeah. You do? Yeah. I don't really remember. I we feel were like there I... in the middle of the day, and it was bright and sunny, and it didn't seem super creepy at the time. Yeah. I don't know. I look, I'm pretty sure I didn't get a picture of it. I don't think we did. It's I not feel super like photogenic. I would have if I knew this whole story, because it's creepy. So, Okiku, she was a servant of a samurai named Tessan Aoyama, who was in love with her, but she was not in love with him. So when she rejected his advances, he got his revenge. Because he was an incel. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what they do. No, I'm kidding. Kind of. You know. Um, So he had these very valuable Dutch plates. It was like a family heirloom. There were 10 plates. And he decided to hide one of them and then convince her that she lost the plate. And he threatened to tell on her unless she agreed to become his mistress. And she was like, no. (laughs) Yeah, just like that. So what did she do? She threw herself down the well and drowned. Because that's a really messed up thing to do to somebody, you know? I heard an alternate version of this story as well. There are so many different versions. That she really did love him, but a retainer didn't like her or didn't think she was suited for the Lord. So he framed her by stealing one of the plates. And then she got sentenced to death for losing such a important family heirloom. Okay. And that's why she jumped in the well and killed herself. Well, if we're talking about other versions, I got a, I got a bunch of other versions too. In some versions, Okiku actually did break one of the plates. And that's why she's killed, I guess. Uh, in some of the stories, she's murdered instead of committing suicide. There's a version where the samurai's wife breaks the plate, and then she sh- throws the broken plate down the well and accuses Okiku of stealing it. Ah. Apparently, the official version at Himeji Castle is they say that Okiku overheard Aoyama plotting against his lord, so she told on him and in revenge, he tortured her to death. Oh, wow. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know where, however it was that she died, supposedly her ghost comes out every night, counts from one to nine, because she's counting the nine remaining plates, and then you hear her screaming and crying after that. Yeah. I hear like the closer she gets to 10, her voice gets more wild and loud and screamy. That's creepy. When she can't get to 10, she just freaks out. And in some versions of the story, they say that the samurai Aoyama, he went insane from hearing her screams, like the screams of her ghost. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's a good story. I think it's a pretty creepy one. But there are actually even different ideas about where Okiku's well is located. Really? Yeah. There's a well in the garden of the Canadian Embassy in Tokyo, and that land was bought from the Aoyama family. 
So some people think that that's actually Okiku's well. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was at Himeji Castle. That's, that's what they say at Himeji Castle. Oh, okay, okay. I swallowed the propaganda at yeah. the castle. Interesting. Okay, Paul, I got another tunnel to talk about. Where's this one? This one is deep in the mountains of Fukuoka. Uh, I might know which one you're talking about here. What's it called? Inukane Pass Tunnel. Okay. First thing I got to say here is that there's so much BS out there about this place. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you might have fallen prey to some of it because you said Inukane. I found like one or two websites that called it that. Yeah. But I think it's actually called the old Inunaki Tunnel. Okay. And like it, for, it took me a long time to figure out what was really going on. I'm like, are these two different tunnels? Are they the same thing? I'm pretty sure they're the same thing. And somebody just messed up the spelling at some point. Okay. You know? I, though I did see like two very different stories about what happened at this tunnel. Yeah. I, yeah. I know what you're talking that about, both, I think. Almost, they were vague about the time frames on one of them, but they almost both kind of line up. At least of what I saw. I think we're on the same page, yeah. So this name, and this is why I think Inunaki is the real name, is because I saw specifics about where the name came from, or what it means at least. Okay. It's called Dog's Howl Tunnel. It opened in 1949, but it was so remote that it didn't see a lot of traffic. There weren't a lot of people going through there. Apparently, it was also home to biker gangs, I saw. Okay. Yeah. So what's the first story that you saw? One that takes place earlier, maybe? Yeah, there was a vaguer story that decades ago, a girl was murdered there and never properly laid to rest. And that she's been haunting the tunnel ever since. I heard that too. And I couldn't find any more details than right, what like, you just said. Decades ago, like, that's pretty vague. Decades ago from when they first heard the story in 1990 or decades ago from now? Like, are we ta- what, what time are we talking here? Yeah. I have no idea. Right. But I have a lot of details on the other story. Okay, let's hear this one. On December 6th, 1988, a group of boys between ages 16 and 19 assaulted a 20-year-old factory worker named Umeyama Koichi. They stole his car and abducted him. And they took him to this tunnel where they tied him up, tortured him, and repeatedly smashed a rock into his head. Gruesome. Is that what you heard too? Yeah. I heard that he was burned too. Yeah, they then drenched him in gasoline and set him on fire, but he wasn't dead yet. Oh my goodness. Yeah. While on fire, he ran screaming to the end of the tunnel before he collapsed. Oh, man. And some people say that if you visit, you can still see his blood and the charred remains of his clothes there in the tunnel. So were these boys that committed this gruesome crime ever caught, Paul? No. Well, I guess I don't know. I I, I didn't see anything about whether they were caught. But I did see that that night after they killed him, supposedly they were bragging about it in a bar. And that's why his body was found the next day. Because people went to check. Oh, man. Yeah. So that's pretty messed up. But also, I didn't see any, like, 
official news articles or anything about that. Right. Even though it was just 1988. Right. I mean, I guess that's kind of a long time ago now, but... That's decades ago, right? <laughs> yeah, decades ago. That's where I was kind of thinking, too, like, maybe there was a murder there at some point, and if it was a man, like, murders more often, I feel like you hear, oh, women, and people forgot the details, and then, it, oh, yeah, some woman was murdered there a few decades ago, and one story maybe turned into two stories. Who Could knows? Be. Right? Yeah, you never know. I heard that if you go venture there... The most common thing you'll hear like little whispers of gibberish, but every once in a while you hear like, stop, stop, trying to stop people from venturing further into the tunnel. Sweet. And now they've got it like barricaded off. Right. But you can like climb over the barricade and like squeeze in if you're adventurous enough. I saw that. Yeah. At your own risk. It's not recommended to do so. I saw some other reports from people that did enter the tunnel they reported feelings of being watched they would hear unidentifiable noises who their camera would malfunction you know how ghosts like to mess with cameras and other paranormal activity yeah locals also claim that cars break down when you get near that tunnel and communication devices won't work near the tunnel either wow a couple other fun facts Supposedly for over a thousand years, this area where the tunnel's located had been used as a training ground for esoteric Buddhist monks. And these monks claim that it's a spiritual hotspot for lost souls. Man, some of these places just have layers of creepiness like over the centuries. Yeah, the stories just build and build on each other. Uh, This tunnel was also the inspiration for a movie called Howling Village. It was made by the creator of Juon, which is the Japanese movie that The Grudge was based on, the American oh, wow. horror movie. Yeah. Paul, you ready to go down to Okinawa? Yeah, let's keep heading south. All right. What's your first one in Okinawa? Nakagusuku Hotel. All right. So this is an unfinished remains of a hotel located near the ruins of Nakagusuku Castle. The hotel was abandoned before it was finished because there were so many mishaps and workers' deaths during construction that they ended up stopping. Yeah, they actually started this project to build the hotel in the 70s because they were hoping to make money from tourists attending the 1975 Okinawa Ocean Exposition. Oh, they had a deadline. Yeah. And it was kind of the perfect location because it was going to be on this hill just south of the castle ruins. So you get a nice view of the castle, but then you also get a view of the sea. Yeah, the location was perfect for a hotel. Mm -hmm. But there was a local monk who tried to warn everybody saying that it was a holy site and you shouldn't disturb the graves in the area. And after all these accidents, the workers didn't want to work anymore. So the owner promised to stay there overnight at the location to prove that it was safe. But when he returned, he was talking crazy in the morning and he basically fell off the face of the earth after that. Yeah, I heard a few different versions of this too. Some stories said that he was there for three nights before he 
returned completely insane and then they sent him to an asylum and then he disappeared from the asylum somehow. <laughs> oh, wow. Some people said that he committed suicide. There's a less creepy version of the story where the contractor just went bankrupt and that's why the hotel was never finished, but that's not nearly as fun. If you go there today, you might see lights flashing and feel cold areas where you get really chilled. I wonder how many of those lights are flashlights of people that love creepy stuff that are exploring the hotel. Yeah, creeping <laughs> each other out. Oh, I, see yeah. other. Oh, I see a light over there. Oh, man. Pretty cool. What do you got in Okinawa, Jason? I was going to talk about Camp Hansen. Oh, yes. We should talk about Camp Hansen. Yeah. A lot of the military bases in Okinawa, the American military bases, are supposed to be haunted because there was a lot of messed up stuff, a lot of action in Okinawa during World War II. Yeah, this one, unfortunately, to visit, you probably have to join the U.S. military. Not worth it. And then get lucky enough to somehow be stationed at this place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Camp Hansen is a United States Marine Corps base that supports over 6,000 Marines supposedly these days there's a lone soldier who appears in blood-stained World War II fatigues at gate three. And if you see him, he'll ask you for a cigarette. Or I saw another version where he already has a cigarette and he asks you for a light. Yeah. And then once you light his cigarette, he will just disappear. Yeah, he just vaporizes. Yeah. There are apparently so many sightings of this ghost that they shut down gate three. Yeah, people didn't want to stand guard there because they were afraid of this ghost. Yeah. Some people even say that they've seen that ghost defending the gate against the ghosts of Japanese soldiers that also haunt the same gate. That's wild. Yeah. But I saw a report, like before they closed down the gate, they would get reportings of this ghost like weekly. Weekly? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I also found this video on YouTube that was taken at Camp Hansen in 2008. It's pretty creepy, Paul. Yeah. You didn't see this, did you? No, I saw no videos. So there's this human-shaped shadow, but it's clearly not human because it's like flying around at inhuman speeds, basically. I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, wow. Check it out. Okay. Yeah, I got the link right here. I just like the idea of a bunch of like grizzled soldiers just getting scared out of their boots yeah. about this ghost appearing and asking for a cigarette. Man, speaking of the military, I mentioned, I think, I've been watching Band of Brothers. Yeah. Dude, I was shocked when I saw Jimmy Fallon pop up <laughs> in Band of Brothers. I forgot he was in that. It was, that's the only time I've seen him like not cracking up at his own jokes, you know? Yeah. Like actually playing a serious part. Crazy. And I couldn't take him seriously, even as a soldier. <laughs> well, I only have one left, Paul. How about you? Same. Is it the round schoolhouse? Yes. All right. This one, we're going up to the other end of Japan now, to Hokkaido. All the way north. Yep, this is in a town called Bibai, right? Sure. So it's basically this building is around schoolhouse. I don't know. I found conflicting reports about when it was 
built. It sounds like it was part of an elementary school that was built in 1906, but I think the the round schoolhouse itself wasn't actually built till 1959. Does that sound right? All I heard was it was built over 100 years ago. Okay. So that was maybe the original school. Yeah. I don't know. Apparently, most of the students there were children of coal miners that worked at the local Mitsubishi coal mine. But in 1974, the mine was shut down, so the school was also shut down, and the place has been abandoned ever since. The first report I saw of something creepy happening there was actually when it was still open. Yeah. Supposedly, a little girl was, quote, spirited away right in front of her classmates. Yeah, I saw that too. It's pretty awesome. Want to find one of those eyewitnesses. It's a creepy place now because it's been abandoned for so many decades and it's decaying. But all the desks and chairs and all the stuff was just left there. It's one of those where everybody just like left the town one day and nobody took anything from the school with them. I love that. I kind of wish there were more places like that in the US because I love exploring that type of stuff. But for some reason, it seems like in the U.S., that stuff always gets torn down. And in Japan, they just leave it there a lot of the time, right? Yeah. There's lots of reports of the ghost of a girl running around or howls being heard. There's also rumors that it may be the site of a portal to another plane of existence. I heard that. And that's what happened to the girl who disappeared. There was apparently a group of paranormal investigators that encountered what they called a shimmering patch in the school building that is supposed to be the interdimensional portal. Ah. Yeah. I've heard that people that go visit it go missing or insane. Seems like a a common theme in, in these urban legends. Yeah. No one can verify the story because they all go insane. Yeah. Or they don't come back. I saw a story about three urban explorers that apparently went to check it out when a dark figure appeared in the woods and attacked them, chasing them back to their car. They were barely able to get back to their car in time, and when the figure got to the car, he slammed into it, but then just disappeared as soon as he hit the car. Entered the portal. Yeah, I guess. I saw a picture, so I think this place actually does exist. It totally does. And another creepy thing about it, which is also very real, is there are a bunch of abandoned cars in the woods around it for some reason. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Are those the cars of people that went to check it out and disappeared in the interdimensional portal? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a good place to end it, I think. All right. I hope uh, you've all been thoroughly spooked and creeped out. I hope so as well, and I hope you all have a wonderful Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Can't wait till next year's Halloween special. (laughs) I look forward to it every year. Well, if you want to see some pictures of us hanging out in Shibuya in Halloween, you should check out our website, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. Those pictures are also posted on our Instagram Maybe I'll post more of them. I have so many. I could post them every year. On Instagram, we're at SJP Podcast. Paul, what are we talking about next time? Our next episode is going to be dedicated to the love hotels of Japan. 
This is going to be a, a less family-friendly episode than most of our episodes, I think. As was this one. Yeah, I guess so. What does it say about me that the two episodes I'm most excited about are the ones that are not family-friendly? <laughs> You're just a kinky dude. Is that the word? <laughs> I don't <laughs> that know. what I am? I don't know. All right. Well, anyway, love hotels. They're places where people go and do adult things. And that's where I'm going to leave it for, for now, I think. Sound good? Yeah, yeah. It's a different type of uh, inappropriate. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.